Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, this is Kim Hopkins standing in for Dr. Ross Green, who is again traveling today. We've got a lot going on at Lives in the Balance these days. It's time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. We do this podcast the first Tuesday of the month from September to May at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. On this show, we do our best to help you with your behaviorally challenging child, figure out what's going on, and help you figure out some things that are going to work. Our call-in number is 347-994-2981. I believe you still need to press 1 to join the show live and ask your questions on air. I'm joined today by social media coordinator and parent extraordinaire, Jennifer. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, Kim. How are you? <laughs> I am doing quite well. I had some time off last week, got a little... Uh, rest and relaxation in, so I am feeling pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing what, what that can do for you, for sure. Yes, um, supporting your own actually, health and wellness. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Refilling that bucket, man, is uh, it's an important thing to do, for sure, both as a professional and as a parent. <laughs> um, <laughs> we already have a caller who's been patiently wow. waiting since before the show started. Um, hopefully this is going to work okay. There we go. Area code 678, you're on with us live. What's your question today? Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I sent an email in a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if y'all can help or if this is more of a question for Dr. Green, but my we've – I have a very challenging family, but thankfully we came across CPS in 2021 and since then have been using it to make our lives better. We've gotten really good at B and C. I have a seven and a nine-year-old. They're in second and third grade. They're both gifted and also um, need accommodations at school. They, they both have diagnoses of autism and ADHD. Um, and my question is about my nine-year-old. Um, in addition to autism and ADHD, she has some sensory issues and was recently diagnosed with precocious puberty. Um, so she's kind of going through puberty at an advanced onset. Like she's nine, but her body age is 11 based on like bone x-rays and things like that. So that has, I believe, precipitated just a huge shift for her because we've seen a really big shift in her anxiety and her willingness to engage with us and engage in the problem-solving process. She just, like, locks herself in her room after day of school, doesn't does her own thing, is not, you know, no longer really participating except when we kind of able to have her but I, I did do plan B with her um, and 
tried to get to the bottom of what was going on for her. And I am really stuck there because what she said really shocked me. Um, and I was hoping I could talk through it. Uh, yes, we'd be happy to have you talk through it. Could you tell us what unsolved problem you started with? Sure. I started with, um, I noticed that lately you haven't been too enthusiastic about talking to me um, to solve problems. What's up with that? <laughs> She's very familiar with CES, and we've been doing this for a couple of years. And um, yeah. she gave me some answers that I expected. Um, and an answer they didn't expect. So she said, you know, I want to be left alone. I don't want to have to do anything after seven hours of school doing things I have to do. Um, I want privacy and don't want to be interrupted. I want to do what I want, and I don't want to waste my precious time talking. And then I drilled down into that, like why she felt it was a waste. And that was the part that shocked me. She told me, the end of the world could be coming at any minute. Every minute it gets closer, want to waste it talking about things. And that was like, I just kind of, you know, stopped there. And since then, I've been getting more information. She's got a lot of, honestly, very legitimate concerns about all the ways that the world could end. She's very gifted. She's reading at a ninth grade level. Um, testing at ninth grade reading levels, but she is in third grade. And um, she has other anxiety symptoms about, like, just a lot of worry about things she can't control happening to her. And that's, like, why she locked her door. And um, she is under medication management, and I'm working on this with her psychiatrist to manage her anxiety. That helped a little. But, I mean, I just don't know how to address concerns about you know, existential problems, and I kind of am stuck. Well, yeah, I mean, I can see why you might get a little thrown off by that. So, um, you know, first, you know, you haven't been enthusiastic to um, solve problems with me lately um, is a fine way to start a conversation. It's sort of, you know, uh, just for sake for everybody listening, it's sort of what you do when you try to solve problems and you're not really getting anywhere and you don't think it's because your child's worried that it's tricky plan A happening and you don't think it's because um, they're having trouble um, putting words to it, right? And so sometimes we say, you know, put it aside and talk about what's hard about talking, you know, and, yeah. and you know, what would, what would be the risk in talking, now, it's funny, I always say nine times out of ten when we do this, we often hear that there is actually a worry about plan A, but that's not what you heard. You heard no. another piece, you know. Yes. And so um, before we get into the the end of the world coming piece, I just wanted to have uh, say a few quick things about the other pieces because then I think we'll spend a little time sure. on the end of the world piece. Um, <laughs> but I want to be left alone is, when I hear that, that to me is, is a solution. I don't, I don't know what that solves, right? And so I'm glad that you kept going after more information, right? I don't want to mm -hmm. do anything. That's also a solution. I don't know what that means. Um, and I don't know if that's related to 
kind of this jackpot yeah. piece of information you got about the world ending or if that's separate. So I um, would, you know, and maybe you did, but I would ask if that's linked or if that's something different and to know more about that if it is different. Um, mm-hmm. I want privacy and not to be interrupted. Um, okay. You know, because we mm-hmm. we can solve problems and also honor privacy and, and not being interrupted. There's a way to solve that. So that that mm-hmm. piece I'm good with, right? Um, yeah. I want to do what I want is also a solution, <laughs> right? And, yeah. Um, and so that I'm not sure if that's connected to the I'm worried about the world ending at any minute and this feels like a waste of time or um, if it in fact is something different. So I would drill probably maybe about that one a little bit more to understand what she means by that. Is that related or is that something a little different? Sure. Because I have more information about, I'm sorry. No, no, please. I have more information about all those pieces because this has sort of been an ongoing conversation where, um, and I have scheduled time with her, you know, I'll say, okay, well, it would work for me if you, you know, I, I sort of followed up this conversation with, well, that's terrifying. I can understand you feeling all these ways. It's all valid. And also I, it's still important to me that we solve the problems that are getting in our mind maybe we can find a time to do that when, you know, you've had your time um, and it works for you. So I have been able to since then sort of engage her here and there. She doesn't tolerate much, but I did get a lot more information really about all of those things in the time that she does talk. And I'm good with a lot of them. Like I'm I'm willing to plan see a lot of it. Um, and I'm working with the school to address some of the demand that she's feeling um, that's causing her to not basically want to do anything once she gets home. And I've even brought her out up to the school, and we are going to be writing Plan B into her IEP, or at least trying to. But she's got a lot of problems at school as well. So that was kind of the well, tangent. I'm really glad to hear that IEP piece and that how it's gonna you're gonna have a chance to have it be CPS flavored. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm really happy about that. So is so, the part that's throwing you, I just want to make sure I understand your question then. The part that's throwing you the most is what do I do with this? The world's gonna end at any minute. And so this is a waste of time piece. Yeah, and that does connect to some of the other pieces. Um, and my sense is that her, her, um, her like preferred activities that she wants to be doing alone by herself all of the time. That you know, in to some degree, that's her solution to that anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's comfortable. It's predictable. It distracts her. She can just dive into it and. Um, some of it's related. Some of it is about other things, too. Um, I'm not as worried about that as I am about some of the concerns that, like, I don't even want to call them paranoia, because, like, when I spoke to her psychiatrist, he said, you know, 
these aren't even like delusions. They're legitimate concerns. I have adult patients who don't have these diagnoses who are worried about the state of the world mm-hmm. and, you know, the future. So, um, but she does have some paranoias about like she has to lock her door at night because she's concerned that, you know, there could ever be an intruder that could get into her room. And so, like, there's some degree of anxiety that's built to this point where I can't address those concerns. Like, there's nothing I can do to convince her that the house is safe enough. So I just, like, I'm like, okay, lock your door at night if that makes you feel safe. Sure. Um, I mean, I lived alone. I locked my bedroom door at night. You know, like, that's just sometimes I just feel better with those things. It's not causing any harm. So, okay, right? Right. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're right that this, and and I imagine, I know what would maybe trip me up if I had a kid say this to me, is that 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 does, there's there's an element of reality to this, right? And there's an element Mm -hmm. that, we all think about this. And I also think about how we, to be healthy and high functioning, right, we find ways mm-hmm. to make space for this real stuff that can get pretty existential, right? And, and mm-hmm. then we also find ways to keep functioning and participating in life, right? right. And so... Mm-hmm. It might be that you're sort of building towards, um, certainly, and, and it sounds like you've already done a great job of honoring her worries and making space for them. And and I heard you say a version of this, you know, and we, you know, we're here now, and there yes. are parts of life to enjoy now. And for us to be living together and enjoying life together, there are some um, things that could use our attention so that things go as best as possible while we get to be together. That's exactly, you know? that is a version of what I said, for sure. I was just like, yeah. well, while the world is still here, we need to live it together. But, you know, I was sort of freaked out at that time, so I haven't really well, and I get that. moved past yeah, drilling since then. To have this conversation with a nine-year-old, you don't, that's right. not... I could see that it, it, it's not it's not never, but it is a little atypical, right? You have a bright child who's mm-hmm. done a lot of reading. And, yeah, I mean, I even with, you know, I have a 12-year-old daughter, and we had a situation within our family recently, and I have this debate in my head of, like, how much do I tell her? Because eventually mm-hmm. she's going to find out. Like, <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's things that we try to protect our kids from, and we can only do it for so long, and then sometimes it's not our timeline, right, because they see something on the mm-hmm. news or they hear something at school, right? And so you've got a little bit of an advanced timeline. And so, you know, still keeping it kid-friendly language, right, that works for your child um, developmentally and all that, that, you know, engaging there and finding your own ways to engage without you being tripped up on, you know, this stuff that again gets kind of existential. I am really glad to hear that um, you've mentioned this to her uh, caregiver, her psychiatrist. That is all a very good idea. And you know, the yeah. more that you can you can stay neutral and and um, you know hold that line of like, you know, yeah, it 
it, it is important sometimes to, to make some space for thinking through some of these things that can feel uncomfortable and mm-hmm. not too much space. That's sort of the, the, the rub here of like, you know, not totally checking right. out from what actually is real. And, but also really participating because you have this gift of being together. You're a gift to me. You know, I want us while we're together for the time to be, the you know the best as possible right and you decide how much mm-hmm. too much for her to hear around that right um, right and so you know so then again you're solving the problem of that it's hard to talk about things you've got some information in addition to this but this is a piece of it right so how do we carve right. out time where we are finding ways to make our life together the best it can be you know while respecting yeah. privacy while also having time to think about how, you know, uh, these existential pieces and, you know, also honoring that you're feeling real tired when you get home from school and you don't want to do anything, right? Um, we, can, right. we can still do it honoring all that stuff. So what are our sort of rules for engagement, really, are we coming up with um, for how we're going to work together on solving problems, given all this? Yeah, I appreciate that perspective. I think I've, I'm just like stuck in a drilling space because there are a lot of variables to this. It's not just the anxiety. It's also the, she's just really, you know, her, her preference would be to be left alone all the time, or maybe that's the solution. I, I feel like we have some dueling solutions somehow, which mm-hmm. I've just put in plan C. If it's not critical, I don't try to solve it. Um, Good. I have made an appointment for a reevaluation with her neurodevelopmental psychologist, um, which I just consider kind of drilling, and um, she's agreed to, to do that evaluation because she knows that it'll help move things along with school. And she takes all her meds. She really just does. She just wants to do her all the time, and um, I mean, I don't know if wants to. That's just her solution to the world, and I think the world is very hard mm-hmm. for her, and it's dark, and her solution is to be in her own world. Yeah, well, I I love that you're you found a comfort level with Plan C. I think that's important, and I know Jennifer's got some stuff to add here too. Um, there was one piece <laughs> yeah. I was going to mention before I kicked it over here. Um, gosh, getting getting up there in years, and this happens to be more often than I care to admit. It'll come back to me. But Jennifer, did you want to weigh in with anything? Well. You know, it, it's it's funny. I'm I'm listening to you talk, and as much as I can identify as a parent, I had this flashback to um, coming home from school one day when I was in probably late elementary school, and having a conversation with my parents about how we had to build a bomb shelter in our backyard. Mm. Um, (laughs) I was in many, many ways very similar to your daughter. Um, Intellectually gifted, they told told me. Um, Undiagnosed 
with autism and ADHD because in the 70s there was no such thing as a girl who had either of those things. Um, And, you know, reading at a high school level in third grade and reading everything I could get my hands on and perhaps some things that were really beyond my emotional capacity, even if they weren't beyond my abilities to take in the information. Um, And with a whole bunch of sensory stuff added on top of that and depression and anxiety and all of those things, um, that was me in, in a nutshell. And... Sometimes I think that when, because of all of those things, when I would take in things that were really hard for me to work through, I needed to know that my family was around. I needed their support. But they were also things that I just needed to find a way to reconcile for myself. And that's really hard as a parent to look at your kid and know that they're struggling through something and not be able to really help with that. Um, But honestly, I, I can tell you that there wasn't really much that my mom or my dad could have done in that moment to help me get through it. It was just something that I had to work through for myself. It was something that I had to recognize, okay, we're not going to spend what it would cost to build a bomb shelter in the backyard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even though I, I was in, this was before the internet when it was easy to find plants for things like that. Um, you know, I had just the library and the librarians who thought I was insane to be looking up bomb shelter plans. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it was it was sort of a slow realization that okay, the world isn't ending. Someone isn't going to destroy everything that I have that I want and that I love and that I count on. Um, Unfortunately, it just it had to happen in my own head. And thankfully for your daughter, she has people around her that recognize that she's having a hard time, that love her, that support her, that aren't dismissing those concerns as um, foolish or unnecessary. Uh, not that I'm speaking from experience, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, she knows that you're there for her. She knows that you love her. She knows that you're supporting her, that you're not dismissing her. Um, and I'm thrilled to hear that you're working with some people that you trust and that it sounds like she trusts to be able to help her. Um, yeah. It's hard. Thank you for sharing that. It's horribly hard to feel like there's nothing you can do. But a lot of it probably really just has to work out in her own head. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. 
And it's, it has been difficult to release the idea that, you know, we might solve this together. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I am happy to be getting information and I'm happy to be working with her other caregivers, like the professionals and the people at school to make sure she has that space and that she's understood. Like the school is wonderful. They basically said, don't worry about homework and grades. Just mm-hmm. worry about well-being and being a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll, we will get the services that we can at school. So we're, we're doing an IEP evaluation this month because she's been on a 504 and getting a lot of services, but she just needs a lot more. Um, and I gave them the house up, and we're going to work on problem-solving school. Um, and I, I guess the plan currently is to just anything that they can do at school, wrap services in there, because by the time she gets home, she's not, she used to go to, like, psychotherapy with an autism specialist and she's no longer willing to go. She just doesn't want to spend her time that way or spend her time talking about anything. And, um, you know, we, we drill down that too. And she's just very clear about the space that she wants. And I have been giving it to her and that's been hard. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we like to talk about, and I'm glad you're getting information and that you have had some successful drilling. And it's like, I always think about when I'm drilling for information, my brain works one way. Everybody else's brains work their own ways. I'm trying to get a window in to how this person's brain works and how they think about things and how they perceive things, which I know is going to be different from me, right? And so yeah, trying to getting getting some glimpses of understanding of her perspective on things, the lenses she wears, right, and as she views mm-hmm. things um, can be really beneficial, especially because it sounds like it is quite different than how you think about things and how you view things and what feels good to you and things like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, being responsive to the hand you've been dealt, right, and trying, mm-hmm. knowing that, have been built for her at this time. Um, we're, we're seeing shifts yeah. in, in understanding of of getting flexible on things and making the world be more acceptable of differences, right? Um, but, you know, helping her figure out how does she get her needs met in a way that translates and works well for others around her, whether it just be her family or 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 school people or whatnot is really um, a great thing that you're doing with her. Thank you. I really appreciate your time, both of you and and everything that you've said and shared. <laughs> so <laughs> and I would it also does sound just like make... oh, go ahead. I would also say just make sure that that you have support and and people who are hearing you and honoring the fact that this is really hard for you as a parent and a person um, because yeah. we don't have all the answers as parents, and that we feel like we should. <laughs> 
Yeah. And that's that's also really hard. So it's important that you make sure that you're supporting your own well-being as mm-hmm. much as you're supporting hers. Yeah. I appreciate that. That I I think that's happening. I had a a moment last year where I was like I haven't given myself the quality of care and intervention that I've mm-hmm. given my children. And so I yeah. just sort of said it like, well, what if I was my own kid? What would I be working on for me right now? And I think that piece is in place. And, you know, oh. if she wants more space. It actually gives me a lot more space. I just <laughs> sometimes feel guilty, like, well, is this okay? <laughs> not, I'm not sure. Well, well, thank that, you. Thank you the both. point of, of uh, last word here. That, that brings up the point of, like, getting clear about what your worries actually are and yeah. do you want to pursue them, right? And if right. so, you do have plan B because you are able to get some traction with it. Um, so, yeah, realistic expectations and being clear about what your worries are and, and addressing the ones that you feel like, need to be addressed and honoring the ones that, well, I'm worried, but it's just because it's different from how I would do. Right. Um, right. So I'm glad to hear you're getting support for yourself. That's, that's good. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what I'll work on next. I think is figuring out what, <laughs> what my concerns are or, mm-hmm. you know, what, what I think needs to be solved and what doesn't have to be. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. I think I can move forward with that. (laughs) Well, we're happy to hear that. And, yeah, (laughs) we would definitely be happy to hear back from you, whether you call in or email in. It would be great to hear from you again. Sure. Yeah, I I will. Um, I'll follow up at some point when when I have some progress to share. (laughs) Great. Take good care. You too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Awesome. Fantastic Mm. discussion to have. Um, And I actually think we have a queued up email um, that is not the same, but kind of has a parallel track to it that we'll dive into. But first, Jennifer, we didn't have the chance to ask you if you had anything you wanted to bring up or mention (laughs) uh, today. Um. You know, I I I don't know that I do. I just I I I'm laughing as as I'm I'm I mean, obviously I'm not laughing at our caller. I'm just laughing at what it brought up in my head. I hadn't thought about that in such a long time. Um mm. and I can say that that as a little kid, it it was all-encompassing and overwhelming and it was I was lucky in the fact that I didn't have people around me who just dismissed it and said, well, that's a silly thing to worry about. Get over it. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Because because whatever your kid is worried about, it's not silly to them and they can't just get over it, even if it feels that way to you as a parent. Um, yep. And that's something that I think it's really important that we keep in mind that even if something doesn't register as a concern to us, if it registers as a concern to our kids, then 
it's important that it be part of the conversation. And that's true for all people, not just parents and children. <laughs> but yeah. that's what we concentrate on here. So <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yes, we're kind of about um, making sure everybody has voice uh, and uh, really honoring where where everyone's coming from, and that everyone's experience of things is different. Um, yes, it, it's what makes us great, and it's what makes things complex and it's what makes it really extra worth kind of taking the time to really understand, you know, where we're each coming from. And I know we talk again a lot about kids and where kids are coming from, but um, certainly it's a model that can be used with really anybody. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was, I was talking recently, Kim, with a a friend that has been a friend of mine since fifth grade. So someone that I've known for years and years, uh, I won't say how many years at this point, but many decades. Um, and we were talking actually about the uh, conversation that was part of the last Lives in the Balance Summit about having a trusted adult in your life. And mm. we were talking about who our trusted adults were Um, because we were in a lot of the same classes at school and everything. So we were talking about through uh, fifth grade up through junior high, middle school, um, high school, who the trusted adults in our lives were, who the people were that we had that would actually listen to us and recognize that our concerns were valid and support us in trying to work out our place in the world and uh, can't underestimate how important that is for kids to have those people in their families, in their school um, circles, in their extended world. It's it's so important and CPS can really support that. Yeah. And was that the summit where we did the exercise of writing down what were some of the empathic responses we wish we had received as kids, or was that a different one? I think that was a different one, but I, I that it's such a such a big exercise. <laughs> yeah. It was it, it that I I reflect on that activity all the time. Um because, you know, I can think about, and I, it's so funny, like I have visceral reactions. As a kid who did well in school and had very mm-hmm. few issues, there are a couple of teachers that stood out to me because they um, misunderstood some things and then mm-hmm. like <laughs> came at me in a way I wasn't used to because I didn't get plan A much. I didn't need, <laughs> I didn't have a lot of unsolved problems, right? And I have like yep. to this day, decades later, negative visceral responses when I think about them, <laughs> right? Because they accused me of things that weren't true or misunderstood intentions or whatnot and didn't give me a chance yep. to, you know, and it's like, yeah, if we just sort of take a breath and kind of listen and know our worries as adults will get addressed, at first we really do want to understand the inner experience of this kid to give what's happening context. That's so important. 
Um, because often we think we know what's happening, but we <laughs> turn out surprised we didn't know. <laughs> it's yeah. that that was one of the great surprises to me when we started using Plan B in earnest was how really wrong I was so much of the time <laughs> when I went with just what I thought was going on. Um, mm-hmm. That that I I just what I assumed was the problem was very rarely the problem in the beginning. I got better at it as time went on and our conversations got deeper and um, I I learned to listen a lot better and to observe a lot better. Uh, but in the beginning, I was way off so much of the time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. You know, when I learned the model, I wasn't a parent yet. Um, but as a clinician, I mean, we're trained to try to understand <laughs> the inner workings of people and why they do what they do. And I thought I was good. <laughs> I realized, oh, gosh, no, I'm I'm making a lot of wrong guesses here. Um, you know, that's all right. We say be prepared for surprises. Um, I'm loving this theme of like kind of you know, the inner world and inner workings of, of everybody's brains that, you know, it's different. And um, certainly we've been talking about how this model is very inclusive as far as like taking the time to understand that everybody has a different perspective and there's lots of reasons for that and everybody's perspective is valid and how do we hold them both, you know, together. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's take an email. We haven't gotten to emails in quite a while because we've had lots of callers, which is always a lovely thing, but we do have an email here that I think that we can address in the couple minutes we have left. Um, the question is, where does sensory processing disorder fall into all of this? I'm having trouble getting my son's school to add supports to his 504 plan to have regular proactive sensory breaks with the appropriate type of movement so that we can try to reduce the amount of redirects and also occasional meltdowns that sometimes occur. As his mom, I've seen how being in various overstimulating environments can fairly reliably, after an hour, seriously impact my son's ability to be flexible or tolerate frustration. The school does not acknowledge this, but we continue to get calls um, about incidents where our first grade son got so dysregulated that he had to be removed from class by a vice principal or similar disciplinary figure to talk to him quote, help him calm down, or, quote, ask him what zone he's in. Um, Do you have any literature about how specifically supporting kids' sensory processing differences has been one kind of accommodation on the misapprehension that responding to sudden crises uh, is less expensive than giving adequate 504 support? Any help around (laughs) this area would be much appreciated. Do you want to kick us off with this one? (laughs) <laughs> or would you like oh to it's it it's it's funny so so often um i've found in the time that i was working with our schools it's a question uh it's not a question of what you say it's a question of how you say it it's a question of putting it into terms that the school can work with <laughs> getting them to say yes is sometimes just a question of phrasing and making it sound like something that they can say yes to um, in that front um, 
Dr. Mona Delahook's book, Beyond Behaviors, was hugely helpful to me um, because even the concept of lagging skills was a really difficult one for the school to grasp. Lagging skills did not fit into their vernacular. <laughs> Um, and what what Dr. Delahook helped me do was find ways to take what I knew was the problem and put it into words that the school would say, oh, yes, we understand that. <laughs> so that that's something that I would highly recommend to this parent um, as they're trying to figure out, because the school – Obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously. See, I'm assuming that I have an answer. <laughs> um, the school doesn't necessarily want to have to discipline your child, although sometimes I think that there are some adults who get pleasure in the power that comes out of that, unfortunately. Um, but it's a question of putting it in a way that they can accept and understand it. And she was very helpful to me in that front. We are certainly big fans of Dr. I'm not sure if I even answered the question there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the literature part, you certainly did, no doubt about it. And we're big fans of Dr. Mm -hmm. Delahook, who sits on our board at Lives in the Balance. I did miss a sentence here. I realize that's why it didn't make sense to me when I was reading it. It says the lagging skills are there, but they appear to only be there in conjunction with sensory overwhelm. Um, The school is struggling with budget constraints. Um, And so, um, well, let's see. I would also add that um, sensory stuff is part of the lagging skills that we know research-based, right, is is at the root of many unsolved problems. I think... um, talking with the school to try to, as you're talking, as you're saying, Jennifer, help them to kind of see it that way um, can be hard at first, right? I think I was just talking with a group of educators. Um, This is a group of educators who's learning the model, and then they have colleagues that are not learning the model. So they have, they find themselves (laughs) in this position quite often um, that, you know, we, how is that working, right? It's, this intervention that they're doing doesn't seem to be working because the problem keeps coming back up and they're mm-hmm. intervening too late, right? And so talking about this concept of lateness, like the vice principal is probably not planning, you know, at 2.05 today I'm going to have to go into this child's room <laughs> and help out. That's not a plan in their day, yet they're being called to do it. So they don't want to have their day disrupted either in that way. So helping them kind of see that, helping them see that we really think we can get ahead of this by being proactive, that we really have lots of data that suggests that, um, you know, and then get specific using the ALSEP is always a nice tool um, to help people get their lenses on straight, right? That there there are certain unsolved problems that um, emerge, it sounds like, in certain environmental contexts with sensory overload, and if we can get ahead of those, like what do they have to lose kind of thing. Um, I also always think about talking to the school about what their worries are and kind of thinking about applying the steps to them because they have valid concerns too. It sounds like budget's one of them. There might be others. 
about why it might be, you know, what's getting in the way of them making the shift, you know, in, in perspective here. We have tons of free resources for educators. The entire model is free on our website. Um, if you go to livesinthebalance.org and you hover on our solution, there's a tab for educators. Um, that would be a place to also point them as well. And certainly let us know if we can be of any assistance um, further. And we're coming to the end of our time here as Blog Talk Radio Lady is telling me we only have less than 60 seconds here, so they're going to be cutting us <laughs> off. And so I think we're going to sort of uh, end it there, although there is a bit more to say. Certainly feel free to call in, Mom, or email us back. And I'm sorry it took us a little bit of time to get to your original email, but I do hope that we were able to provide some things to think about. Um, we will be back next month with another episode of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Be sure to join us then, and thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you.